Well, welcome on this, uh, maybe one of the most unique Easter's in a couple thousand years. Uh, but we're looking at a story that ha has been told for a few thousand years. Uh, it starts with two women that were going into the grave, and they were, Jesus has been killed, they're heading to the grave. Uh, they're two women that Jesus has just done a lot for. Uh, he's showed his love to them by helping them out. He's been uh, their savior and their hope in a very real sense by coming to them, and uh, they would have different needs. He would help them. He would save them in their life. And that hope that they've had in Jesus, uh, that's, at least in their mind, died when he died on the cross. But what we see here is that the love that Jesus has started in their heart, uh, that love is still there. And there's really no reason for them to be coming to the tomb right now, it, except for the fact that they're just trying to express their love. And I think that's something that's important for us to think about. There wasn't anything practical that they were going to do. They, they really didn't have a hope of changing the situation. They didn't have a hope of contributing anything. But just in their heart, the love was there, and they got up, and they went and did something about it. And it's not that they were the only two people that loved Jesus. There was lots of people that loved Jesus, but at least in the story, we see that they're the only two who responded to that love by getting up and coming down to the tomb. And that's something that's worth thinking about at this time for us, because a lot of times we are thinking through different people that we love and care about. And sometimes it's a relationship that's been there for a while. Sometimes it's been dormant. Maybe you haven't seen the person in a while. But in your heart, that love is still there, and you're thinking about them. And sometimes we think, well, I don't have anything to give, or I don't have any way to help. Uh, love doesn't need that. Uh, love is valuable just in and of itself in, in any way that it's expressed. And there's lots of ways that we can express our love, even in uh, times of trouble. You know, text messages, texts, phone calls, they're so... Uh, they're so well-received right now. People are taking them as love, uh, some simple things. But what we see in the story is that it, it wasn't just an expression of love, that, that God was all, also expressing his love. And when God expresses his love, that does change the situation. And, and what we read is that there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and, and sat on it. Uh, the situation did change. And what the it wasn't just the miracle of the earthquake. It wasn't just the miracle of the angel coming down. What it was was the miracle was there to open their eyes to see something that they had already happened, that they didn't know had happened. In other words, they left and they just wanted to express their love, but God went ahead of them and God prepared the way so that their going was meaningful. 
and the meaning that God was trying to give to them, the, the way that the situation was going to change and the way that they could contribute, it all hinged on them being able to, and it took a miracle for them to be able to see that the hope that they had in Jesus is not dead, that, that Jesus was in fact alive, that hope was still there, that joy that they have in that hope of Jesus, uh, that's still there. Uh, God gave this hope, and then God gave them a mission to share this hope. It says, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He, he says, I know that you were looking for Jesus, but, but what you were looking for was a dead Jesus. And what you're going to find is that Jesus is alive. He says, he is not here, for he is arisen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him. Now how I've told you. The angel's message, our message, is as we feel that love that's there for neighbors, for different people, as people come to mind, to, to get up and respond to that love. But the response, the, the, what the Lord's giving us through that response is really to be able to share this hope of Jesus, a, a hope of Jesus that God has been talking about for since the beginning of time, a hope that Jesus had talked about, that we read about throughout the Gospels. And, and as we'll see, it's a hope that we experience. So, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Jesus put in their heart uh, some love that they were responding to. God prepared the way ahead of them to open up to them the hope that's in Jesus, a hope that Jesus, that the situation doesn't dictate Jesus, that even though the world had killed Jesus, that, that God is able, and God did, raise him from the dead. And from that hope, the joy of that hope in Jesus still being in their lives, Jesus actually appeared to them and, and cemented that hope, or enabled them to be able to give that message, not just as a message that Jesus is alive and we will see him, but that message that Jesus is in my life and to be able to share what Jesus has done in their life, what, what Jesus is doing in their life, what Jesus has said to them. And then they worshiped, which is what we're doing today. And that's what Easter is about. It's not really about... Uh, empty tradition, a dead tradition, dead words from dead people. Uh, what, what Easter is about is a living hope in living words and a living Jesus who is actually here in our lives, and we can see that Jesus is doing different things in our life. And all he's really asking for us is to just respond and to say yes. If you'd like to accept this hope, you can pray with me right now.
and then I'll turn it over to Steve. Let, let's pray. Jesus, uh, forgive us our sins, and we accept you as our Savior, and we pray that you would just give us the Holy Spirit and also just open our eyes to be able to see how you've been in our life, but also to see how you are right now today. And Lord, we want to follow you as our living Savior. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Steve? Thanks, Dennis. Um, the next part of the verses that were read, this section, uh, sort of show us two other responses to uh, the events that had happened with Jesus rising from the dead. We saw how the women responded and how that related to their love for Jesus. And this next section describes how the guards respond and then how the disciples respond after they hear about what had happened. And, you know, I think these responses will help us to think about how do we respond when we see God doing things in our lives? Because he's always doing things and we see them. And there's the question is, how are we going to respond? What are we going to do? Um, what choices are we going to make? And, and our response basically will follow what it is that we love because what we trust in, what we choose to put our trust in, our hope in is what we love or what we treasure. And you can see the women made their choices based on what they love. They love Jesus. They went to the tomb. Um, so let's see what the guards do and what that reveals about where they're placing their trust and who they're loving and uh, how they're responding. Verse 11 says, um, now, while they were on their way, the women were on their way to tell the disciples, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. So the guards saw the angel come, roll it away, and their choice was to go and report um, what had happened to the chief priests. Um, why did they choose to go report it instead of going to find out more from the disciples or others, uh, it revealed what it was that was important to them. You know, they, it wasn't about, you know, the evidence, it wasn't about this, but it was a choice of who they were going to trust. They went to the chief priest to see, okay, what should we do? What are you going to do about this? How can we be okay? How can we be taken care of? How can, how can you um, provide for us? And so you'll see what happens, verse 12, and when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, you are to say, his disciples came at night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. So the guards knew that the rulers of the time, the people in earthly power, were against Jesus. And if they were to make a choice to go towards Jesus, to choose him, they would be risking their safety. They would be risking being in trouble, losing their job, losing their life. Um, that's what they were facing. And so they, they looked to the chief priests for a way out of that. The chief priests gave them a bunch of money. Money is sort of earthly security. 
and they, they came up with a lie about what happened so that they wouldn't get in trouble, they wouldn't lose their job, they wouldn't lose their life. So, so they had a choice to make. Who were they going to trust? What were they going to trust in? Were they going to trust in what God was doing that they saw? Um, this life and love that God was expressing through Jesus rising from the dead and the opportunity to respond to that? Or were they going to trust what earthly things could give them, what people could give them, money, security in their job, um, staying out of trouble? This was the, the choice. You know, was, was the government going to save them? Was the economy going to save them? Were they going to be able to save themselves? Was money going to save them? And... <clears throat> And really, another way to describe the dynamic that was going on with them was, were they going to choose, choose the flesh, going to choose the world, going to choose what's happening here, or are they going to choose the spirit? Are they going to choose what God is up to? And the choice will reveal in our hearts, what do we truly love? What do we truly value? What is our treasure? Because Jesus says where our treasure is, there our hearts will be also. And our choices and our decisions will follow that. You know, the Spirit quietly beckons us for us to choose God's way, to put our trust in Him. But the flesh, you know, kind of yells and screams out to, to hold on to what we might lose in an earthly way. And <clears throat> sometimes we are tempted to want to hold on to both of these things, to hold on to what we feel like the world is saying is good, what, what our flesh is saying is good, and also what God is doing. We're like, can't, can't we have both? Um, but, you know, Jesus taught it clearly when he said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And you see that in this story that when the guards decided to go with themselves, go with their flesh, trust in the chief priests and the money that was being offered, then they lied about what God did. They turned their back on what God did. So they had to choose one over the other. Um, <clears throat> Let's see how the disciples responded differently. Verse 16 says, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. So they made the choice to go to Jesus. And the difference between the disciples and the guards was not that the disciples had no doubt. It says they were doubtful. They weren't quite sure. Um, but in the end, their choice revealed what it was that they wanted to put their trust in, who it was they wanted to love, where they wanted to find hope and find salvation. And I found often that decisions in life aren't always, or perhaps never, you know, you're 100% sure that, yes, I'm totally going this direction. I know this is right. I'm fully on board. There's always some wrestling that happens.
is with a lot of our decisions. And, and that's okay. God doesn't expect us to be fully there all the time. Um, and, and I think he also brings a lot of encouragement when we do make maybe a little step, a little movement towards him, a choice. Maybe it's not the full choice or maybe we're doubtful about it, but we, but we take a step towards him. I found that when I do that, he really sort of brings this kind of big wave of encouragement to uh, just say that, um, you know, yes, this is going to be good for you. Yes, this is a good way to go. And I'm, I'm here. I'm going to take care of you. Um, you know, what, what might those choices look like in our life where we, where we are, you know, looking at this battle between choosing our flesh or choosing God, you know, like something simple as, um, are we going to be fully honest, um, when interacting with people, either at a job or family, because aren't there so many times where I feel like if we just withhold a little bit of truth or bend the truth a little bit, we, we're, we see that, man, that could really work out well for us. Or if we tell the whole truth, man, things are not going to go well for us. If that thing gets out that we're trying to keep in, you know, we're going to lose our job or we're going to lose a relationship or we're going to lose money or we're going to lose, you know, our flesh is telling us, don't let that happen. Don't, but, but God seems to say that being honest is really going to be good for you in the end. So what do we choose? Do we risk those things? And trusting God to do it. And that life is full of those decisions. But those decisions and all decisions are always a scary one because every time we choose one direction, we're choosing the death of the other direction, either the death of the flesh or the death of the spirit. Um, and as I said, the enemy has always been tempting us to try to keep both. Right back to the Garden of Eden when he said, Look, if you eat it from that tree, you'll, you'll know good and evil, and you'll be able to be like God. You'll be able to say, look, I'm going to protect myself, and I'm going to have everything that I want, and I'm going to be able to, you know, make myself to be, you know, get into eternal life and earn that. And he, and he tricks us into thinking that's true freedom, that we can be in charge of ourselves, we can do what we want, and pursue our own benefits, and also secure eternal life for ourselves. But it's a lie, because we can't live up to that end of the bargain. We can't do everything right all the time. So if we try to hold on to both, we just lose it. Like Jesus said, if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will save it. And so what it takes is just a small decision just a small step towards Jesus to communicate that, you know, I want to love you or I love you a little bit, or I, I this is where I want to be. Help me to be there more. And, and Jesus will step in and, and carry us uh, in that direction. So again, I want to give you an opportunity to, to make that decision either for the first time or to redo it um, on this Sunday where we're remembering that he died for us and making it possible for this relationship to happen. So if you want to, if you want to step towards Jesus in that way, you can pray with me now. God, thank you so much for the love that was expressed in Jesus coming here and choosing to die on the cross and the, 
the power and the love that was expressed as you raised him from the dead, giving us hope that we too can have life in him. And God, we want to choose right now to trust you to provide the things that we need. We want to trust you to take care of us, to save us, to provide for us. Help us to say no to the other things that are drawing us to trust in them. Help us to let go of those, as scary as it may be, and to just trust you. We ask you to, to come in and to be the one who, who takes care of us. And we will choose to follow you and receive what you have for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to turn it over to, to Drew to finish this off, lead us some, some response. Thanks, Steve. He's risen. He is risen indeed. I'm not seeing anything in the chat box. Just trying to wake people up on their couch. I know the Zoom mode of churching and worshiping is sitting back on your couch. But anyway, um, I think that one of the analogies that's often used that we've heard before about making a choice for God is the analogy of the car, the vehicle. And we're driving in the car, we have our hands on the steering wheel, the foot, the foot on the gas, or the clutch, as some of us who really know cars is going to have that type of vehicle. And we got control of the GPS, the mirrors. We think that we've insured the car and we're just riding. And some of us are following the speed limit because we believe that's the way you live life. Others of us have been hurt a little bit. So we're driving maybe a little recklessly and making sure, you know, a best defense is a good offense. So we're driving offensively all over the place. Some of us are just straight profiling doing what we want to do, hitting the sideshow, swinging our things, just doing whatever comes to mind, whatever feels good. And then it, at different points in our lives, we get into accidents where we hurt ourselves, we hurt our vehicle, and we hurt other people, which I think is tougher to carry over the course of a lifetime than to have just your own pain where someone's hurt you the real pain is where you're carrying stuff that you can't apologize for and you're so ashamed about. And if you don't have these things, feel blessed. You haven't lived life long enough. You're just not being honest with yourself. Because for me, I carry some of these things in my life and some other people are paying for them. Your parents are paying for it. People you don't know are paying for it. They paid for it. And you just don't even know the level in which you've messed stuff up you see the broken right fender and you know your rear, you know, your trunk don't open no more. And let alone, you know, that mirror that, that, that you can't see on the right side from anymore. But there's so many other things, other people's vehicles, other people's broken arm, other people's broken hearts. And we just can't handle this stuff. So the analogy goes that at some point we hear the message of Jesus that he's died on the cross that he's covered over all of our sins and we give over our life. So we give over the driving 
seat, the steering wheel, the gas, the insurance realize, oh, I never had this thing insured in the first place. Most of us been riding dirty. You know, so we hand all this over to God in Jesus' name, and then God takes over. Let's just real quick, I'm just going to go five minutes and we'll wrap this up. The last parts of this scripture where it says, and I'll just read it off of here. Uh, they worshipped him when they saw him and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This is the first and final point. We don't really even have to go beyond here. It's just, it's all in Jesus' hands. He has all the authority in heaven, and we kind of assume that because we feel like that doesn't really matter, even though eternity matters then more than the here and now. So Jesus adds a little extra on there saying, in heaven and on earth. While you're on earth too, this is not a pie in the sky type of thing, just deal. Even though the pie in the sky is worth everything, know this, I have all authority on earth too as well. So we have to remember that it's not just handing the wheel over to Jesus. Matter of fact, we realize it's God who's been in the driver's seat all along. God owns the car. He's been insuring it. He knows the GPS routes. He knows everything. When we're in our mother's womb and we came out, and as a baby, the most helpless children of any species I can think of, and we have to have other people wiping us or we're going to walk around with this poo all over us. I'm sorry to just get to that level, but that's how helpless we are. And that's how much God is really in the driver's seat of our lives. And at different points in our lives, we make choices to say, oh, God, let's go over there. Oh, God, where are you going? Even though we know these things in our hearts, we know what is right and wrong. We have eternity written in our hearts. And, it, and as we grow up, we get more and more obstinate. We might grab the steering wheel. We might put our foot over and start trying to speed up our lives. And at different points, we might even just sit on top of God or push him, push him out the car and come to a place where it's like, yeah, I'm driving my own car. And it never not ends up in a place where we start to say, I'm driving my own car and look what it is. I got me an old Cadillac or I got this new Tesla. Look at me. You know, that's the lie that Steve's talking about, is that God never drove this car. It's, it's, it's me. It's my car, my life. I have to bite that apple. God can't per not permit. That's life there, even though God's given us so much other lives, our family, our relationships, the love in our hearts, just the blessing to be able to wake up every single day of our lives. We put all that to the side and say, no, I got to bite that apple. I got to drive this car. Or we say, forget it. I don't need to drive a car. I'm going to walk. And look, and look how free I am. The, the lie of freedom. And we don't understand that it's God who's always been in the driver's seat. God who has control of the GPS and these roads. God. And I know that these hard questions come up of, well, if God's in control, then how do you let me get into an accident? How do you let me get hurt like this? How did my car get all busted up? And my body's feeling this type of way and my health is is down like this and, I, and how do you allow someone else to hurt me or how, how did I, he allow me to hurt somebody else and, and and that's real and that's some hard questions but it's even tougher to deal with if you think you're the one in the driver's seat and that all authority hasn't been given over to jesus on earth and in heaven so jesus goes on to say 
Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I think some of us need to repent, because I'm talking to those of us who've accepted Jesus already, who've lived with the Lord for a while. Because um, we get to a point where we say, we forget that it's in the name of Jesus, it's in the name of God and the Holy Spirit, and we say, it's in the name of this job that I have that I earned. It's in the name of my view of abortion, my right view of abortion. It's in the name of how I'm, you know, got this certain things disciplined and how I, me and my family are run, you know, run. Or it's in the name of how I view things theologically. We just need to put all that to the side and just understand again, go back to the first point. It's all in God's hands and he's given us a part, a part that we don't have to do, that we certainly don't own, but we can have a part. And what that looks like is to be in the driver's seat and not just to say like where we're going, but to have more of a cognizance of where God's taking us and say, God, I feel you taking me close to this person. And I'm so glad you're driving by them so that I can drop off these Easter baskets. Thank you, Karen and family, for making these. Again, if you haven't received these, uh, they're on the way today. Feel free to put some in the chat and we'd love to drop it off for your kids. There's some cool stuff, some Easter eggs in here. But we just get to love in certain ways. You know, the Father loves people just through raining uh, uh, on the good and bad, the mountains, you know, expressions of just the ocean. We get to love Jesus in Jesus' name, actually speaking Jesus' name, and then the Holy Spirit starts working on people's hearts, and we get to be in that vehicle just as God's driving us around and just being more cognizant of who he's pulling us up next to. And we can even call people saying, hey, I'm going to pull up, but inside of our hearts, it's like God's having me pull up next to this person. I'm going to just ride with them for a little bit, and we're going to traverse down this road of life. And as much as I can, just going to say in Jesus' name, in the Father's name, in the Holy Spirit's name. And that's why we do things in the community with Tribe, is that we don't have to continue to do all this stuff and have the burden be on us. We get to be a part of it, but it doesn't rest on our shoulders. We just get to simply share God's love. And finally, now in here it says that, um, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, the more that we depend on the things that we think that we've learned and that we're teaching other people, that's apart from God's love and God's grace in our lives. We're just watering down the power that's there. And I do it all the time. I'm not trying to shame anybody. It's just easy for us to do that. You know, oh, I, I had the idea for the Easter baskets or, or whatever. I had the idea to hand people this certain thing or this cooking class or, or to, you know, uh, this parenting class. And, 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 or I'm making these new masks from home. And it's, it's, it's like, no, no. It's God that's sending us out with the main teaching of his love. And the only teaching that's really different, we have a million different forms of this teaching, which is God loved me. So therefore, I can love you. Please let me love you. I'm just trying to love you. I'm just trying to share my love with you. And the ultimate assurance that we have from God, as Steve says, you, you, you take one step towards him. And as Dennis says, it's just all about expressing that love back. You can sit at home like the disciples did. Or you can be one of the two women and actually get up and, and express that decision out. And what God does is he brings an assurance. He says, and lo, I am with you to the very end of the age. 
And the beauty of living with God is you feel that, that, that when you anticipated that right turn that God was going to make, and maybe he's making a U-turn, and you anticipated that, you feel God being with you in this way, even though you can't even see him in the driver's seat. Y'all, that's, that's the picture. Is God's driving the car, but you can't even see him in the driver's seat, but you're trusting him. And maybe that's far down the line, but that is a choice in which we're on the road to making. So as Dennis and Steve put it before you, just want to put it before you too. It could be making the decision to come back to doing things in Jesus' name and not in the name of all these other things that we named. In Jesus' name, I do things. In the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Or maybe for you, it's coming back to the first time that you're making the decision, perhaps in a long time. Jesus, I'm going to recognize you've always been in the seat, and I'm just going to get out the way, and I repent, and I hand over my life to you once again. I ask for forgiveness. Would you please come into my life and take me in? Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you so much for this morning, so much for this word. We take joy that uh, year in, year out, decade in, decade out, century after millennia, people have been trying to preach this in different points. It's been dark in the dark ages to, you know, we, different points of revival. And we pray that these would be times of revival in the midst of the shadow of death that's out there. We pray that this morning there would be revival in all of our hearts. We pray that you would receive us. And if at this point you would like to receive Jesus, you can just repeat after me. Dear God, I confess all my sin to you. I ask for your forgiveness. And as much as I can, here and now, I repent. Please come into my life. Receive my heart and rest with me. I accept you in Jesus' name. Amen.